gentlemen and everyone in between i'd like to welcome you to the brand new year with another episode of cancast a podcast where we don't need a box to think outside the box because we didn't ever have one to begin with and today i would like to start off with news about the podcast so um i'm gonna switch from trying to drop a podcast every week to dropping two a month every two weeks i feel like that'll be easier for me with my schedule I haven't been as consistent because I've been either sick, lazy, or busy, so I will try to do better with um, with getting content and being able to put it out there at, on a consistent basis, and I think to switching from four to two will take pressure off of me and allow me to focus more on each episode instead of worrying about if I have episode dropping, which kind of makes me counterproductive. So without further ado today, everyone... I am going to be talking about changes, how to make changes and how to really make changes that will stick and not making a change that every like, you know, it's a brand new year, new year, new me. People make uh, people start going to the gym, get the gym memberships and everything like that. But then in February, everybody stops. But how can you really, truly make a change and keep it and really be the change and not just having having a change happen? So what I'm going to be talking about today is an interview that I found on GQ with the uh, behavioral psychologist, uh, Katie Milkman, and she wrote a book, How to Change. And as I was reading this and I was reading the book, I was like, man, this is a very good, uh, I like the foundation that she builds and that what she talks about and what stops humans from really changing. And it's a lot of flaws that we all have like for instance we all think that once we change we'll become a different person but you're still the same person you just have those changes within you and I think that it becomes easier for you when you think about it that way like oh I'm gonna be a different person in the future but you are you can literally make that change right now but a lot of times we say oh later 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 we push it out like oh I'm not ready yet or I'm not there yet and it kind of uh, dissociates our future self with who we are now. When we are that same person, we are just making the change gradually to being that, to being able to have those changes, if that makes sense. I don't know, it kind of didn't make sense to me, but let me know if that makes sense. But I will read a couple of things. So um, what I really like was the first thing she started off with was um, they asked her her top three things for making a change. And number one was awareness. And she was talking about how if you, there was a survey done where they would ask people, are you below average, average or above average? And most people said that they were above average. And she said that that doesn't mathematically, that's impossible. Everyone cannot be above average. There have to be some people that's average or below average because that's just not mathematically impossible. And I was thinking about it. And then when I read, when I first read it, I said, oh, above average. And then when she said that, I was like, damn, she's right. Um, so I think one, people have to really come to the realization that they might not be above average, but it's not bad because you can get there. 
you have to you have to realize where you currently are in order for you to move in progress and um, do better in the future. Because a lot of times we will sit back and think like, oh, um, I'm this good, but that's really, you might be good, but you might not be as good as you think you are. And that could be holding you back from getting better because you say, oh, I don't need to improve because I'm already making enough money or I'm high enough in my company or I've reached enough people, I've helped enough people, but you can always do better and do more. So being aware of who you are and where your um, what your weaknesses are and what your strengths are, improving on your weaknesses or improving on your uh, the challenges that you have and strengthening your strengths, that can help you be better. But if we don't realize where we are, then it's really hard to get there. Um, the second thing I'm going to talk about is humility. So she was also saying that people are not as humble as they like to think they are because uh, today we have a lot of tools that make our lives simpler, but I'll, there are people that will think that they don't, that they are the one that's doing the work and not necessarily the tool that is making their life easier that is doing the work. Of course, you are doing the work to some degree, but a tool is making it easier like let's say an air fryer versus an oven or a uh, I have a foodie a ninja blender that makes it easy for me to make ice cream I just throw everything in there and do it like that same thing with dough I don't really have to stir it I just throw it in the blender and it makes my life easier so instead of me sitting up here and saying like oh I made this I made this so good like I should give some props to the blender like with this blender I was able to make it easier and quicker and it still tastes really good and that's a little bit different because if someone says, okay, make ice cream, but don't use the blender, then it'd be a, it'd be a lot harder for me to actually make the ice cream or whatever it is. No, I'm joking. I'm a good cook. But, um, but I'm using that as an example. <laughs> um, this thing keeps going off. And uh, so right now what I'm doing is I'm just giving quick excerpts about what she was talking about. Then I'm going to go um, and flesh out more uh, at the end. And the last thing that she was talking about the last uh, point that she was talking about was being flexible and being adaptable. Uh, I think that this is probably, I don't know, I, I, this is this was the most important for me. Uh, well, I guess it was awareness was one and then flex, flexibility was two because you have to know where you need to go. You, t you need to know where you need to grow um, and where you need to improve, like I said before, and where you need to, where, what your strengths are. But the ability to adapt to any situation or almost anything that is happening is indispensable in my opinion because once you're able to sit back and say okay this didn't work but i can go about it this way once you have a plan a through g is different than just having plan a and then giving up after that a lot of times if what we want to do doesn't work out we will sit back and say well it didn't work out i try my best and then we'll be like, okay, on to the next one, or I give up and let me go do something else. When a lot of times we could have done it, but we just needed to have a little bit more flexibility. And that's why I have, have this podcast. That's why I talk about what I'm talking about, because I am all about flexibility and being able to grow and shape shift and, and add additional things to your repertoire. Just being flexible is very important in my opinion um an example she gave was someone that wants to go to the gym 
So they might not have fun going to the gym, but they say, hey, I need to go to the gym. I need to lose weight. But they like going to the gym in the mornings. So what you should do is go to the gym. If you can't make it to the gym in the morning, just go in the afternoon or the evening. That's flexibility. But some people will go to the gym and, and will want to go to the gym in the morning. They'll miss their morning slot. And they'll be like, well, I can't go to the gym anymore today. I have to go tomorrow morning. Uh, to be honest, I am guilty of that. I'm very guilty of that. I love going to the gym in the morning. I hate going in the afternoon and evenings. But I had to realize that if I don't go at all, it's more it's worse. It's more in my detriment to not go at all versus being more flexible and going at the different times in the day. Now I'm just gonna read a little excerpt from the interview. Uh, just really a background of Katie Milkman, and we'll just go from there. If you need to be convinced that humans aren't so great at changing their behavior, look no further than the monumental effort it's taking to get Americans to wear masks, masks, socially distanced, and get vaccinated, which explains why Dr. Katie Milkman has been has had a very busy pandemic. As a behavioral scientist and prof professor at Wharton, She's one of the people in the country most prone to understand why humans do or don't do the things that they do. Though there has been always been outreach from companies and public policymakers from time to time, she says that during the pandemic, the amount of inbound traffic from major players wanting advice was just completely off the charts. As one of the co-directors of Penn's Behavioral Change for Good Institute, Milkman helped answer queries from a wide range of state and public health officials, including, more recently, the Biden administration. As momentum for the vaccine started building and discussions ramped up about the development and supply chain issues, Milkman and her team realized that there would be another hurdle, one we're still dealing with now, convincing people to actually show up and get the shot. They launched an experiment in partnership with Walmart and two Northeast health systems involving nearly a million patients to test the efficacy of messaging that encouraged flu vaccination. The hope was that results would be, could be used to motivate people to get the COVID vaccine when it became available. What did they find? Simple text messages were effective in reminding people to get their flu shot, especially if those texts include messaging saying, we have, the we have a vaccine reserved for you. That relates to something called the endowment effect, which Milman says is where you value something more and you're less willing to give it up when you feel it belongs to you. They also found that inviting people to come uh, to a local clinic to get a flu shot was less effective than a text that provided a specific date and time for an automatically scheduled appointment that's because of the default effect, humans choose the path of least resistance. Translation, we're lazy and don't like to put an effort to make an appointment, but if you default to us, but if you default us to an appointment, we're likely to show up to it. Up about the development and supply chain issues, Milkman and her team realized that there be another hurdle, one we're still dealing with now, convincing people to actually show up and get the shot. They launched an experiment in partnership with Walmart and two Northeast health systems involving nearly a million patients to test the efficacy of messaging that encouraged flu vaccination. The hope was that results would be, could be used to motivate people to get the COVID vaccine when it became available. 
What did they find? Simple text messages were effective in reminding people to get the flu shot, especially if those texts include messaging saying, we have, the va we have a vaccine reserved for you. That relates to something called the endowment effect, which Milman says is where you value something more and you're less willing to give it up when you feel it belongs to you. They also found that inviting people to come uh, to a local clinic to get a flu shot was less effective than a text that provided a specific date and time for an automatically scheduled appointment. That's because of the default effect, humans choose the path of least resistance. Translation, we're lazy and don't like to put an effort to make an appointment, but if you default to us, but if you default us to an appointment, we're likely to show up to it. Yeah, so that was just a little background on Katie Milkman and how the whole interview started and how they even started questioning her on how to get people to change. Because the true question was, how do we get people to change, especially when there's something beneficial to them, but they still don't, don't want to accept it. And they transitioned from <laughs> calling people lazy and saying that humans like the path of least resistance into, okay, how can we change from these behaviors, from these patterns and deviate into becoming people who can make better decisions regardless of how easy that decision is. And that is why she started talking about her top three, um, her top three traits that she thinks people that can make a change and keep and remain, who can make a change and make, and make sure that change is permanent what they have. And so she went back into um, awareness. Like I said before, it's just being able to know, okay, this is where I am. These are my weaknesses, these are my strengths, and this is what I need to do to, um, you might not even know what you need to do to improve it, but you know where you're at. You have a good idea of where you're at. And when you're humble and you have humility, then you have a better understanding of where you're at than, oh, I have these weaknesses, but they're not as bad as like so-and-so, or they're not as bad as I think they are. And then having the flexibility to be able to uh, make the changes necessary to fix those weaknesses and strengthen those strengths. But she was talking about how she would have, um, they, during the pandemic, they had to work in a different way, like using Zoom meetings and um, using physical activities, um, different physical activities than what they would have done. Uh, she was saying that her family never went on a hike before, but during the pandemic, they started going on hikes and now they still go on hikes every Saturday and Sunday. Um, same thing with a, uh, there was a strike, I think it was in London, and in that strike, it was a um, with the trains. So people had to use different routes to be able to get to their destination. And some people realized that there were the, the routes that they were currently taking were not as efficient as the new routes that they had to take because those other routes shut down. So she was saying that when you look at more than just what you're currently doing, you try something different, sometimes it might be better. It's, of course, sometimes it might be worse, but sometimes it might be better. You might find a better routine, but you have to be aware that, oh man, I this might not be the best thing that I'm doing. And that's where the awareness comes from. Being able to know, okay, I need to make a change or I've been at this, I've plateaued for a while. So let me see what I can do to shake it up and be better or be more efficient.
I feel additionally in order, um, in addition to having awareness, you have to have a concrete plan. You have to know where you're going, what are you doing, how are you going to do it, how are you going to accomplish it, why are you doing it. If you answer all of those questions, then it makes it so much easier for you to get from point A to whatever point you want to go. Let's just say Z. In this instance, it makes it so much easier because you know exactly where you want to go. But you still have to have the uh, flexibility to say, okay, well, this might not work or this works or being able to change based on what is efficient, what works for you, what works for me might not work for you. So you always have to be looking forward and trying to uh, know where you want to go and know what works for you. So, but having a concrete plan, in my opinion, it shouldn't be like supremely concrete. You should just have, that's really your major bullet points, not necessarily how you're going to get there because you can have goals set, you can have a plan to get to that goal. But like I said before, you have to be flexible in order to reach that point. So now I'm going to keep reading from the interview. And uh, for this excerpt, it says, in the chapter called The Laziness Problem, you tackle the human tendency to default to the path of least resistance. Are there specific things in your life where you've harnessed that tendency to get yourself to practice certain behaviors? And her reply was, oh my gosh, so many ways. In our kitchen, we don't have a bunch of junk food by default. The choices you make about accessible foods are default. My calendar has all sorts of defaults built into it. I have a weekly meeting. That's my ideating meeting. I make sure that there's time blocked out for that. There's other times that I blocked out for writing. Those are defaults that we're building in to make sure that, make sure time gets used for the things that we value and are most important. And I totally and firmly agree. I am the exact same way when it comes to my kitchen as well. I realized that when I had um, all of my junk food, I was eating so much more than healthy when I purchased it. So I had to have a stricter, I guess, uh, a stricter, I had to be more strict when I was selecting my foods that I was getting when I go shopping, making sure I don't get as much junk food. Of course, I still get some junk food. I'm not trying to be a robot or nothing, but by minimizing my junk food, I minimize my access to that bad food and maximize my access to the more healthier food like carrots, hummus, things like that. So really, when you think about it, just surrounding yourself with the good things, like in this instance, the healthier food, it will, and instead of the junk food, it will help you to make a change because you kind of have no other choice. Because like we said before, Humans typically uh, travel the path of least resistance. So you're not gonna wanna get up and go out and get junk food typically, because you're like, I already have all this food here that I even just bought. Health food is kind of, healthier food costs more generally. So you'd be like, I just spent a lot of this money. I'm not trying to go out there and get something else. So typically we'll sit, just sit at home and make that healthier meal. Um, also, this is not a part of it, but um, wow, it just slipped my mind. Meal prepping, that's what it is. Meal prepping really helps. I know this is not, we're not talking about food right now, but meal prepping is so efficient and beneficial when you're trying to eat healthy because you don't have to make every single meal. You can, and it's good, really good to switch it up. I, I like, usually, I like to do three meals, um, three meals every time I cook, at least three meals every time I cook. 
and I cook like two or three days of the week. So then I have a few meals for later in the week and I have a variety of meals so that allows me to continue eating healthy. Small tangent, <laughs> we'll get right back to it. So um, yeah, so also she was talking about how she blocks off time. I think that blocks of time on her calendar for the different, uh, for her, I'm gonna just call it times of growth. That was when she was talking about ideating, um, writing, and just being creative in general. And I firmly believe that at first I didn't do that. I used to just myself just go out and at any time when I'm working, I'm like, okay, this is time for me to read. This is time for me to study. This is time for me to um, do whatever. And I realized that those times got, because it wasn't as strict, it was really hard for me to stick to that, um, for me to stick to it. So I started blocking off time to study, um, just having enablement, learning about different technology in my instance, learning about how to podcast, learning about different workouts in the gym, learning about different um, uh, different ingredients I can use for my food to make me healthier or to give me a better, you know, better chance at uh, more energy working out at the gym or different things like that. So when I actually took the time and blocked it off on my calendar, it would always show up. It's like, boom, hey, this is time for this. And it made it so much easier for me to be like, okay, let me shift gears and then go into this. Also, another thing I would do is Sometimes you have meetings back to back to back. So if I did have any of these times blocked off, I would reserve the first five minutes for me just to relax, go do what I want to do, be on my phone, um, do different things like that. Because it really helped me stay consistent and be able to have focus because I was able to relax. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but I know for me, Whenever I'm focused on something for too long, I tend to lose focus and the longer I stay focused on it, it's not as beneficial to me. So I realized I need to have regular breaks between uh, roughly 20, 30 minutes, um, five, 10 minutes between that so that I can recharge and then hop right back in. And it's kind of like a small reset that keeps me going and uh, allows me to uh, better understand the material and better retain the material, whatever I'm going over, whatever I'm doing. It just improves what I do. Uh, like I said before, you might not work that way, or you might. You just need to find something that works for you. All right, so now we're gonna talk about humility. And um, hopefully you remember the example that I gave about uh, people being asked if they're below average, average, or above average, and why it is not really good for everyone to think that they're above average because um, when you think about it, when you if you're thinking you're above average, then you will have less accommodations for yourself, and you'll kind of put yourself behind the eight ball because you're like, oh, I'm I'm this good, I'm this great, I don't need A B C D E F G, I can just do it myself. I don't need any crutches, but we all need a crutch um, in one way or another. We are not amazing at everything, or even the good things that we are good at. We might not be good at every single aspect of that, whatever it is. So being able to know your shortcomings or even to understand your strengths and know like, okay, just because I'm, uh, just because I like lifting when I'm working out doesn't mean that I'm good at running. So let me focus on running and try to get better at that. And instead of just thinking like, oh, I'm just good at everything when I go to the gym, you know what I'm saying? So just being able to understand where you are 
and where you need to go and being humble enough to know, okay, I need help or I may need help here. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that as humans, it's really hard for us to ask for help because whenever we ask for help, it really feels that we're failing and failing in and of itself is not a bad thing. Failing is a building block um, to success. Because uh, easy come, easy go. Anything that is easily gained can easily be lost. I know that there is tests that I've taken that I didn't really have to study for and I do not remember any of that material versus the tests that I had to struggle for and grind for in order to pass those tests. I still remember a lot of those um, topics and aspects today. Uh, not really that well, but I still remember a lot of those tests or at least remember how those tests went and um, the questions that were on the test. So it's so we we really as humans like to avoid failure. We want to avoid it so bad. We want to never fail. We don't want anyone to know that we're failing. We don't want, want anyone to know that we have failed. But if we can just step outside of our pride and realize that we all fall, fall down, but we get up, and sometimes we might need help to get up or you might need help not to fall down, there is nothing wrong with that. Um, that's one thing that I've talked about previously on this podcast, even awareness as well. And even all, all three things is what I've talked about on the podcast. That's why I found this book so interesting because this is what I, I firmly believe is just having awareness, humility, and flexibility will allow you to constantly grow and sharpen your skills and continue to get better. Um, especially with humility, also important because you don't overestimate yourself. It's better, I would rather, but I think it's still not good to underestimate yourself as well, but I would rather underestimate myself than overestimate myself. Because I've had times when I've walked into, I'll just continue using my example for a test, or um, when I used to be a hardware test engineer, writing a test, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. I've looked at everything, I'm good. I go turn it in. Uh, somebody does a peer review for my code, and I kind of like, you missed this, 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 and this. And that's just because I was overconfident. I was kind of arrogant. When I wrote the test, I was like, oh yeah, I wrote this test in 10 minutes, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm good. So it's always good to kind of hold back and say, okay, am I really, like, where am I really at? You have to have the awareness, but you all to know what you need to fix, but you also have to have the humility to know how much fixing it you need. So that's why I think that humility is also very important because even if you're self-aware, if you're not humble, if you don't have some sense of humility, then it's really hard for you to know exactly where you're at with that weakness and or strength. So I'm going to read another excerpt from this interview, and this is just uh, Katie Milkman's part right here. And she says, for the most part, it's not like other people who are getting further in life have some superior skill set or willpower or abilities. I mean, that obviously matters, too. But in a lot of cases, the people who you're looking up to and thinking they have it all figured out, mostly they figured out their own flaws. It's more about the systems than the people. Angela Duckworth has this wonderful study. It's a link to that. But um, looking at people, we think of as self-controlled and showing us actually that they have good habits. They're not even using self-control, it is just autopilot. Going back to the example with the food in the kitchen, it's the exact same thing. Instead of me saying, okay, I'm gonna have all this junk food inside of my house and I'm just not gonna eat it and eat it sparingly when I want to, 
is really hard to do. So if I remove all of those bad options and minimize them, then it makes it so much easier for me to make a good decision because there's only good decisions left to be made. So that's why earlier she was talking about having a concrete plan because once you have that concrete plan, it creates that autopilot that you need in order to be successful, successful in life, to have those habits, to facilitate change and to make that change permanent. So the last thing I'll talk about is flexibility and the failure as a growth mindset. This is my mindset, mainly because I have failed a lot in life. So I already know how it is to fail. And um, I don't know, I feel like I failed more than a lot of people in life, but I still get back up and I say, okay, if it's not going to work this way, I'm going to take another way. Or I might just be like, this is the way for me for it to work. And I'll just have to push through. But having the awareness and humility to know, okay, this is my, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses, really helps me with my flexibility and how flexibility I am and can be because sometimes I might say, uh, I learn better from, personally, I learn better from watching and doing. So reading a book is not really as beneficial to me as it might be for someone else. But sometimes the best material is in a book. So I just have to read the book. But if there's a video available, of course, I'll watch that video. If there's a lab available, I'll do that lab, try to do the work myself in order for me to learn and, and um, succeed that way. But it's all about being flexible, even if it's something that you're not good at. Like for me, in my example, reading, <laughs> not that I can't read, but I just don't gain as much knowledge. I don't feel like I gain as much knowledge when I read versus when I do or um, watch a video. But a lot of people, like I was saying before, uh, not a lot of people, there are people that hate failure. And I understand, trust me, I know the feeling. It really sucks when you fail. You really uh, think that you are your failure. You are that mistake when you're really not. We are not our mistakes. Our mistakes is just something that we do and we can move forward and be better. And it's um, me not just thinking about it just now. It's really interesting how we can make a mistake and we will say, oh, that we are that mistake. We are this failure. But when we succeed in something, it's like, oh, that was a fluke or that's something else. That's not you. You know what I'm saying? So like a ch even a change that you want, like, oh, I want to go to the gym every day. I want to eat better. I want to be healthy. I want to clear my mind. I want to be mindful. I want to take the time to meditate, all these different things. You see that as a different person, but when you fail, or the likelihood of you failing, you sometimes we get in a um, kind of reactive mindset or a fixed mindset where we're like, okay, this is where I am, this is who I am, this is I'm just plateaued right here. I cannot really get any better. This is the best that I can do um, with what I have. I wasn't given the tools necessary to um, that I needed to be able to succeed which is also what she was talking about. What I was just talking about earlier from what she was talking about, which was that we like to think that the people that have succeeded have a higher skill set, or they know more, they were birthed with innate abilities that um, so many of us do not have. But a lot of times in actuality, of course that plays a factor, but they just have really, really good habits. And if we can learn to create habits, 
create that foundation, have the self-awareness to know what we need to do, what we need to not do, the humility to, to kind of sharpen our awareness and know exactly where we need to go, and then the adaptability and flexibility to be able to uh, either skin it, uh, find out how many ways we can actually skin a cat or just mow right through because that's just how we are. So that's really all I have for today's podcast. If you made it to this point, thank you so much for making it. Please let me know what y'all think about the visuals. I am trying something brand new. It's really hard for me. And I don't know if anybody's ever talked to record yourself and talk to yourself, but it's really hard to just sit here and stare at the camera. So I'm just looking at all these other things. And I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta look dead at the camera. So um, it's a lot of work and anyone who does it, I fully respect them regardless of what they do because it is not as easy as it looks. It makes it look, so uh, people make it look so easy. I'm like, oh, you're just staring at a camera, but it's really not that easy but once again like i said if you made it to this point thank you so much also when i was actually dropping podcasts i think the last podcast i consistently dropped was in like september october i was actually like top 20 self-help in um albania (laughs) which is which is weird to me i was actually top 15 i was number 14 and i was top um 60 well as in podcasts in education in another country so I was like, okay, that's pretty good. But we need that to happen in America as well as other countries. But in America, we need, I need y'all support because obviously people in Europe and stuff, like they listening to what I'm saying, y'all. I know I got to drive more consistently, but they listen to what I'm saying. So y'all need to too, right? We all need to listen. Like, come on now. My podcast, like, so help. Like, listen to this. I'm telling you how to change. New year, new me. You will consistently, persistently, be a new me if you can follow these steps. Also, um, I will have a link to the book um, in the, uh, wherever the notes are, in whatever platform. I have a link to the book, or at least the name of the book, um, if you want to check it out. Also, a link to the interview if you want to just get a deeper look at um, what was being said in the interview. But I really think it's important, especially for this new year, for us to actually make actually make a change that is um, that will stick instead of a change that we will revert back to our original selves at. So, thank you very much. Be positive. Be easy. Peace.